Truth and Murder Spot. Great to have you back once again. Gary Hill here. Thanks for being here. As we have a fun week in store. It is Felix Week on Classics this week. So every night on our flagship station and some of the other stations around on the Mariners Radio Network, we are going to hear a Mariners classic, a Felix Hernandez classic, every single night this week. Uh, tonight is a fun one. We'll talk about, we'll go in depth a little bit more about the game tonight. Uh, we've already played the perfect game on classics. So these are seven other dominant performances of Felix Hernandez. It did get me to thinking because I was going through all kinds of Felix games, trying to pick out what seven we'd play during the course of this week. And is you, as you can imagine, it was incredibly difficult. There's, a couple that we're going to play in June and revisit because we just couldn't sandwich in all of his best. But I'm curious from you, when you think about Felix Hernandez, now let's put aside the perfect game because that's the obvious answer. I mean, the greatest start for Felix Hernandez obviously is perfect game because that's one of the greatest starts in baseball history. So let's push aside the obvious. Let's push aside the perfect game. In your mind, what is the greatest start for Felix Hernandez in his Mariners career outside of the perfect game? Because this is where I think it gets incredibly difficult. He's had so many similar type of starts. And what I mean similar is, you know, complete game shutout, pile up the strikeouts. I mean, there is just so little in between a lot of these starts. So I, if you have, and it might not even be the best one, if you have a favorite one, or if you think it's the greatest one, I'd love to hear what you think, because I was pretty fascinated as I went through this process trying to pick out the best Felix games and how difficult it was. So MarinersPod at Mariners.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So I think we're starting with a pretty good one, and this could be it in your mind. I guess we'll we'll see what you say, but... The one we're going to play tonight is June 28th, 2012, Felix taking on the Boston Red Sox. And, I mean, clearly one of his greatest starts. There's no doubt this one is in the argument uh, for a number of reasons. One, he was facing a Red Sox team that was loaded offensively. I mean, Dustin Pedroia batting second in the order, David Ortiz hitting third, yet Adrian Gonzalez there. I mean, this Red Sox team was scoring a ton of runs, and Felix dominated. Complete game, 13 punch-outs, five hits along the way, walked one, did not give up a run, going the distance. All the while, it was a 0-0 game heading into the ninth inning when well, the Mariners got the win, one nothing. We're going to recap the game in just a moment, a recap uh, that I put together at the time after the ball game. It's kind of fun to hear some of the highlights and some of the reaction after the game. We'll recap that. This is going to be a fun week. We're going to have a lot of guests through the course of the week. We're going to share some stories, talk some Felix. So a lot of the podcasts will be uh, Felix-centered as we move through this week. There's some great games in here. Coming up uh, tomorrow, the Mariners beating the Yankees one nothing. Felix dominating the Yankees on a two-hitter. He actually two-hit the Yankees a couple of different times. We're going to have a really fun story later this week from one of those, the second time he did it in 2010. We have the Felix Grand Slam game. 
Uh, we have a shutout against the Twins, a shutout against the Rays, and the game against Cleveland where he set uh, broke Tom Seaver's record, going seven plus, allowing two uh, runs or fewer in his 14th straight outing at the time, which is pretty incredible, breaking Tom Seaver's record. So we have all that coming up. So we'll share a lot of Felix stories this week. So we're going to get into the Boston game a little bit more. Also coming up in just a couple minutes, not that it's tied to this at all. I just listened to the conversation again recently and thought it'd be fun to play. Dan Schulman, one of the great voices in Major League Baseball, is going to come up in this podcast after we get through the Boston game and talk about the Red Sox game a little bit. So here it is, a little recap of the game you're going to hear tonight on Mariners Classics right now. Last night, Felix Hernandez was sensational. Complete game shutout, allowing just five hits, completely befuddling the Boston Red Sox. Ackley and Ryan out, both calling. Ackley's there. He makes the catch, and the inning is over. Holy smokes, Felix Hernandez with one of the guttiest performances of his career retires the side here in the top of the ninth. One of the best pitch games of Felix's career and that's saying something, given his career. I mean, tonight was as good as I've ever seen him, and uh, uh, you know, against a, you know, a lot of veteran hitters, a lot of good hitters, and, uh, and a, you know, zero-zero ball game like that, can't ask for anything more. That's the skipper Eric Wedge praising his starter Felix Hernandez in nine innings, tied his career high, thirteen punchouts. The windup and the one-two pitch, swing and a miss, strike three, and he's got number eight. And the two-two pitch, swing and a foul tip into Miguel's glove. He hangs onto it. Strike three. And that is strikeout number 10 for Felix. The 3-2 pitch. Fastball. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And there's number 11. The 2-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And there's number 12. Third time that Kalish has struck out. And the 3-2 Pedroia. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And Felix has it. 13 strikeouts. That matches his career high. Felix Hernandez dominated one of the highest scoring teams in baseball, one of the best hitting teams in baseball. And as his catcher, Miguel Oliva, puts it, they don't call him king for nothing. Well, he's one of the best. And then he showed last night, again, like, he's one of the best. That's why they call it king, because he's he's so good, you know, he's so competitive, and then he never gave up. You know, that's why they make him himself so a good pitcher. It's unbelievable, you know, when you have a pitcher like that and a young, because he's so young, and then... Available to do that in the face like that, you know, Red Sox hitters, and it's amazing. And Charlie Furbush explains there wasn't just excitement in the stands about Felix Hernandez last night. Out of this world. I mean, that was a performance like no other, you know, making big pitches when he needed to. Obviously, he had a bat with Gonzalez, and this catch with Saunders made. I mean, I was warming up in the bullpen and being like, so I, was, I mean, you can ask Kelly, too. We were so excited. After, after he got out of it, it was like, man, that was just the king at work, you know? So it was pretty cool to watch, and obviously got a nice win uh, that next inning with the hit by Jaso and Casper kicking it off, so it was awesome. So the king, King Felix, what a night last night. Nine innings of shutout ball, five hits, no runs, one walk, 13 punch outs. Check swing, strike three called. Ortiz caught looking, and that is strikeout number five for Felix Hernandez. 
I tell you what, the fans in his Kings court, they've been up and down a lot already. Five strikeouts. And is rewarded in the bottom of the ninth with a victory. The pitch on the way. Swing and a line drive. Base hit in the right field. Wells, Roddy, third being waved in. Up of the ball, Ross. Left throw to the plate. Wells slides. He's safe. The ball gets up by South Lamacchia. The Mariners win it. Holy smoke, the Mariners win it. One to nothing. John Jason with a single in the right field. John Jaso comes up big with the knock to win the game for the M's 1-0, but he too couldn't stop gushing about the effort from Felix Hernandez. It looked like his ball was moving all over the place. He was throwing his curveball, his changeup was filthy as always, and I mean, he dominated. What a game last night for Felix Hernandez, and what a game for the Seattle Mariners. A 1-0 win over the Boston Red Sox. And now a conversation we had with Dan Shulman just last year. It was great to catch up with Dan Shulman. Now, uh, of course, spent years on broadcast for ESPN, now working with the Toronto Blue Jays, and he has some stories to tell and stories to share, and it's always fun catching up with Dan Shulman. Dan, you have had the opportunity to call so many different events. You've had a no-hitter, you've had a World Series, other sports. What's been the most thrilling for you? I would say it's been the World Series, and thanks for having me, uh, guys. I, I started doing the World Series in 2011 for ESPN Radio, uh, and, and I think it's probably the most exciting thing that I've done. I mean, I've, you know, I've had wonderful opportunities with the Blue Jays. Uh, I have a whole other life, college basketball in the winter, and I've been blessed to call you know, Duke and Carolina and Kansas and, and you know, a dream come true on that side. But I think we all, you know, and Rick, you can speak to, we all dream of calling championships. That's what you want to do. And, and so uh, the first World Series I did was St. Louis, Texas, which off the top of your head may, may not, you know, resonate with a lot of people, but it's the one where David Freeze tripled in the ninth to uh, tie it and then homered in the 11th to win it, forcing a game seven. Well, Nelson Cruz, a guy who you guys know well, was, the, was unfortunately for him, the guy who didn't catch the ball, didn't quite get there on the triple. And, and I would say... You know, that calling the Cubs World Series championship in 2016 when they beat Cleveland in Game 7, those are probably the highlights. Danny, you've been around for a long time in all the World Series. You started uh, broadcasting in 1990 in the Toronto area, and that was a special time because now here come the Blue Jays, and they put things together. They win back-to-back World Series in 92 and 93. I happened to be at that World Series in Toronto against the Philadelphia Phillies. How special a time was that if you were a baseball fan in Toronto? It was crazy. I mean, I'm a Toronto born and raised kid, and, and I started working at the Toronto all-sports radio station, which wasn't even all sports then, in 1991. Blue Jays win the division in 91. I'm 24 years old. Like, I don't even know wow. what I don't even know. <laughs> and I'm doing the pre and post for Tom and Jerry, two guys that you knew very well, Tom yeah. Cheek and Jerry Howarth. Uh, Tom, a Hall of Famer who unfortunately passed away some years ago. Jerry just retired this year. So I was doing pre and post, and all of a sudden the Blue Jays are the best team in baseball. And this team that I had grown up rooting for as a kid in the city that I was born and raised in, they're in the World Series. Like, I'm like three years out of college, and now I'm sitting in, sitting at what was then known as Sky Dome, and Joe Carter's hitting a home run, and John Olerud's hitting 363, and Dave Stewart and Jack Morris, and it was... It was nuts. Like, it was really nuts. I was pinching myself over and over and over again. Um, At the same time, from a hockey perspective, the Maple Leafs, who have been bad a lot more than they've been good, they made the conference finals each of those two years as well. So, And I was hosting a a talk show during the day in addition to doing the pre and post for the Blue Jays at night. Like, it just—it was an absolute dream come true. Couldn't have worked out better. Dan Shulman is our guest here on the pregame roundtable. Dan, I'm curious, when you are prepping for broadcasting a World Series compared to prepping to call game 
132, the Mariners <laughs> and the Blue Jays, yeah. for example. What are the differences? That's an inside broadcasting question right there. Huh? That's a guy who knows what he's talking about. Uh, huge differences, obviously. So, well, even if it's just national versus local, uh, you know, if I'm doing the Indians and Cubs in a Game 7 of the World Series, or it doesn't matter if I'm doing a, an ESPN baseball game between any two teams, you know that both fan bases are going to be watching that game or listening to that game, and they want to know, hey, does this guy know our team? Does this guy know our team as well as our guys know our team? So um, it, it's more prep when you're not doing the home team. Obviously, and, you know, for you guys with the Mariners, how much prep do you have to do on a day-to-day basis? You know the Mariners inside out. You're with them every day. Same with me with the Blue Jays. So I have to do a tiny bit of Blue Jays stuff. Clay Buckholz is starting today, and I do some Mariners stuff. But – our, you know, the Blue Jay audience wants to hear more about the Blue Jays and the Mariners. Your audience wants to hear more about the Mariners and the Blue Jays. So it, there's a lot more prep, I think, that goes into a, a national game. And when you do a playoff game on radio for baseball, I think in game one of a series, you, you really have to kind of introduce the players to the audience. So I have to, t- if I do a Dodger series, they know Cody Bellinger's really good, but I got to tell a little, I've got to give some background and where he came from and how he got to where he is. So I think they're. It's different kinds of storytelling, but um, I think by the time you get to Game 7 of a World Series, you know, you're biting your nails, you're on the edge of your seat, and it's just what's happening between the white lines. Are you nervous in a Game 7 with that with 26 outs? Uh, a little bit, yes. And I've never, I, I shouldn't say, I, I only scripted something once in my life, and we did a game the day after Jose Fernandez was killed in the, in the plane crash, and I wanted to make sure I, I got it right. But I have never scripted an end-of-game situation. Uh, yeah, and you are a little bit nervous. Uh, well, the scariest moment of my life was the David Freeze play because Cruz goes back, and you guys are probably like me. Sometimes you're looking at the monitors. Sometimes you're looking at the field. And he's 380 feet away from me, and he's reaching up. And as the ball's in the air, I'm saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> because this is either a, a tie game or the end of the World Series. Like, there's no in-between. I got a 50-50 shot here. Don't <laughs> screw this up. So, um, yeah, every now and again. And listen, we've all made mistakes, right? And the best thing, you guys know this, the best thing you can do is own your mistake. Say, yeah. sorry, my bad, or forgive me, I thought that. Uh, but, yeah, with 26 outs in Game 7 of a World Series, your, your heart's pumping pretty good. So. Was it always baseball for you, or is hockey play-by-play ever I did some hockey. Uh, I did a little bit of hockey, so... Um, hockey fan as a kid, the Blue Jays showed up when I was 10. Before I was 10, I didn't know other sports existed other than hockey. <laughs> Big Maple Leafs fan, which is a tough thing to be sometimes. Um, I, I did some hockey play-by-play in Canada in the 90s. I actually went to the Olympics for Canadian TV in 1994, and I was the number two hockey guy, which means I got all the non-Canada games. So if you were really interested in Norway or Finland or the Czech Republic, I was your guy. But, it was, you know, I went to an Olympics. And, again, I was 27 years old. It was crazy. So, and, and have never been back. Um, did some football play-by-play only in college. But, really, I, I could have wound up in any of the four sports, I think. It's just the opportunities that presented themselves were um, baseball and basketball. In Toronto, I kind of, when I was doing a, a talk show on local radio, I kind of became known as a baseball basketball guy. Mm. Back in the 90s, there weren't that many people talking basketball in Canada. This is before the Raptors mm-hmm. had come and all that. Um, and the baseball job for the Blue Jays opened up in 1995. Jim Hewson, who lives in Vancouver, went back to Vancouver to do hockey, and I auditioned for the Blue Jay job and got the job. But I could have easily, just as easily been a hockey guy. Um, so but I, 
I kind of chose my two sports, and I've always wondered, should I, could I do football, do hockey? But, um, you know, it's hard to do more than two sports. Yeah. The two I do, you know, baseball ends, and literally five days later, I'm doing the Champions Classic for ESPN. And then I finish the ACC tournament, and there have been times I finish it Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon I'm in Florida doing a spring training game. So I'm not sure I could. My, my brain, I don't, think I, could fit any, I don't think I could fit anything else in. Dan, I'm going to piggyback on Gary's question there, and unfortunately we've only got about two minutes, and this might be a longer answer, but uh, why radio? What got you into radio, and what keeps you in radio? Wow, that's, that's a tough question. So um, I was a math major. I was an actuary, wow. which most people don't even know what it is. And uh, I messed around just for fun at, uh, when I went, to, I went to a Canadian university, Western Ontario, and my parents had always said, do something beyond classes. Volunteer, get involved, join a club. And I wanted to write for the campus newspaper. So I went down the first day of my first year, and the line was, like, out the door. And I said, well, I'm not the heck with that. And I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mom. And I started walking back, and there was this other door, and it just said Radio Western. And I walked in, and I said, you guys, this is the radio station? Yeah. Do you do sports? Yeah. Do you need volunteers? Yeah. And I just, it's not like going to Michigan or UCL or USC or something. It's a much smaller scale. But I broadcast Western football, basketball, hockey games for three years, graduated as an actuary, worked for literally three, four months, and said, I don't know if this is for me. Went to my parents and said, okay, don't say anything till I'm finished. <laughs> How would you feel if, and, and I said, give me two years. Give me two years to see if I can do it. Um, I wrote my uh, GMAT, like for business school. I said, I'll write my GMAT. I got deferred acceptance. I said, give me two years to figure this out. And went to a, a small city north of Toronto, Barrie, Ontario, 50 miles north. And a year and a half later, got the job at the Toronto station. And um, so that's the short I mean, version of the They knew your story. voice, right? I mean, how could your mom and dad be like, I don't, Dan, Dan, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you're cut out for this. <laughs> well, now, well, the funny part now is my dad, who's 82 years old, he loves to tell the story. He goes, you know... When Dan, everybody, I'm Danny in my person. When Danny still lived with us in high school and in the summers and college and stuff like that, when girls would call the house, my voice sounded exactly like his, so I could pretend I was his. And I would say, "Time out, Dad. First of all, no girls ever call the house. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if you have another son who was cooler than me, but no girls were calling. But he, um, it, it, our voices used to be pretty similar. But the funny wow. thing, well, I'm, and I'm sure you, you guys both get this. Nobody ever said to me before I got into this." hey, you've got a good voice. Like, nobody ever said that to me. And then yeah, when I got into best. it, people said, so where'd you go for voice lessons? And I said, I didn't go anywhere for voice I don't know. <laughs> this, this is me. But I was, Shannon, like I fell into this. Fell into this backwards, sideways, not knowing where I was going. All I wanted to do was get a job in Toronto. That's my hometown. I just wanted to work in the city that I grew up in. And, and this... It's, you know, it's been wonderful. It really That's has. It's a fantastic so. story. Yeah. Dan, thank, thank you. Thank you. So Thanks, Dan. Thank you. All right, guys. Good seeing you. Thank you, Dan. That is Dan Schulman. Always interesting to hear how people get their starts. And, wow, um, just fantastic story there.